it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Creative Hair School of Cosmetology. The Creative Hair School of Cosmetology is a Black-owned family business providing a quality beauty education. This beauty school is located in Flint, Michigan and offers state-approved and accredited programs in cosmetology, aesthetics, manicuring, and natural hair. Creative Hair School and this family team will celebrate 23 years this year in 2021. Check out the school and its programs at creativehairschool.com and embrace the journey with them. Cosmetology classes start monthly. Aesthetics, manicuring, and natural hair programs are offered twice a year. Find out more information at creativehairschool.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had an awesome interview with Terry Bryant of Guy Beauty. She is a phenomenal beauty expert, makeup artist, and now founder of this awesome brand, Guy Beauty. We had a great conversation. I think she has a very empowering story, and you're really going to enjoy learning more about Terry's journey to creating Guy Beauty. Here is a little bit of Terry's bio. Guy Beauty is a collection of makeup tools and products that reimagine the way we apply makeup. Achieve a new level of skill and confidence with makeup that literally guides your hand to better application. For over 25 years, Guy Beauty's founder, Terry Bryant, worked as a celebrity makeup artist and educator for creating programs for world-renowned prestige brands. But her clients often lamented that learning the steps to applying makeup didn't necessarily translate into being able to apply it with confidence. She knew that there was a better way, but as a makeup artist, it was difficult to truly appreciate what she had never experienced herself. That is until she was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Terry now had the unique perspective of a makeup artist and someone who struggled with her makeup. She worked closely with makeup users and a team of industrial designers and ergonomics experts to rethink makeup and to develop a new universally designed patent-pending approach to applying it. And that's exactly what Guy Beauty is. I have really been enjoying using these products. I'm telling you guys, it has made it so much easier for me to do a wing liner. The brow products are phenomenal and I have more control when I'm applying my mascara. I really love it. So definitely check out Guy Beauty. And here is the interview. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Terry Bryan of Guy Beauty. Welcome, Terry. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on. So Terry, before we get into all the awesome things that you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. (laughs) Something that most people would not know. Um, I spent a year of my life thinking I was going to be a ventriloquist. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was an awkward year. I'm not going to lie. Walked around with my ventriloquist dummy. Um, Pretty sure that was the one blip in in in, uh, in otherwise a I'm going to be a makeup artist uh, uh, life and, and career path was was that moment. Most people don't know that probably for good reason. <laughs> that's 
kind of interesting. How did you actually get into it? You know what? I think I saw an old movie with my father and, and uh, there was a, you know, one of the actors that was the role it would be at was a ventriloquist and it made my dad crack up. And, uh, you know, I, I love my dad and anything that made my dad laugh was something I was going to want to do. And so, you know, as I often do get a little, um, you know, tunnel vision when I dive in, I dive in hard, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a solid year, but then I was like, what am I doing? I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, at least you're not afraid to try something. Like if you have something sparks your interest, why not, you know, check it out and see if it will fit for you. Right. That, that was the year I might've lost a few friends. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I always been an awkward kid, and then I realized I'm probably just equally an awkward adult, just you know, don't care as much now, right? <laughs> right. Right. So let's talk about your beauty story. So you were a makeup artist for several years, for over 25 years for celebrities. Tell us, like, how you got into the beauty industry and got your start as a makeup artist. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back, I was always playing with makeup. My mother used to take me to the makeup counter with her four times a year. So back in the day before, the, when there were only the legacy brands, right? You would go four times a year. There was a, a color collection. So it'd be spring, summer, fall, holiday. And we would go to see, in our small town, we would see Cesar. Cesar was the makeup artist that like everybody went to. And I would watch and sort of celebrate my mom's features and just watch her feel a little lighter and, and brighter and happier that day. And I wanted to do that. And I would go home and she would say, don't touch the makeup. And I would say, of course I won't. And then I would lock myself in the room and play with all of her makeup <laughs> for exactly. hours on right. And uh, I just, you know, I caught the bug and I, for some reason, unlike many, any kind, probably any other form of artistry, this somehow, it was something that I loved, but it was also intuitive. It really came naturally to me. So I had to, you know, expand that gift, but it did, it was like, I would look at your face and know how I wanted to celebrate your unique features and my arm and my hand were just this very direct extension of my mind's eye. And so I just went with it. And that same makeup artist actually got me my first job behind a makeup counter when I was going to Syracuse University, but I was studying elementary and special education. So this is kind of where the merger happened, which is I'm studying education. I'm working behind the counter. I know the minute I graduate, I want to move to New York to become a makeup artist um, and trying to figure out why I'm doing the education. Not that I didn't like it, but I went to my first training. And was like, okay, wait a minute, this is all connecting. Like there was a, a few bugs that hit. I knew I wanted to be a makeup artist. I went to a training and left that and said, I definitely want to do that. Because like I mentioned, you know, makeup artistry kind of came somewhat easily to me. I was fortunate, but it doesn't take long before you have people sitting in your chair saying to you, I don't have the same level of confidence. I wish I could do this like you could. And I kept thinking, well, who better than me to show you? I know how to do this. So I had such a positive experience playing with makeup I want to do that too. So I did both and I uh, moved to New York. I started working as a makeup artist. Dior gave me my first shot in, in education, started doing development and training for them. And then just kept going with my career, moved to LA to uh, head up the education department for Smashbox. And uh, you know, the rest, the rest was kind of history. Awesome. So you went from like working behind the counter to then getting into education for Dior and Smashbox and all these other brands. How did that lead up to your career as a celebrity makeup artist? So when I was, I was very fortunate. I mean, in New York, I was tied, working for Dior, I was tied to the LVMH Tower. And so I was at headquarter, right? And, and that gave me access, you know, they hired me on as a, as a trainer, but also to sort of head up their makeup program. So programs would come from France 
and then we would translate them to the US audience. But whenever they needed somebody, whenever sort of PR got a phone call and they needed to somebody to go do a celebrity shoot or a fashion show, because I was that, that sort of person in New York, you know, location does help a lot, right? And so location, timing, being available and open for whatever they were gonna call me for. And so I was fortunate to be there and then get those calls. When Smashbox called and said, we are, and at the time they were very small nobody knew who they were. People calling them Smash Mouth, which is very funny because now who doesn't know who Smashbox is, right? But when they called, they said, we have a great artistry team. We, um, we need an education department. I was like, okay. So I moved to LA to develop their education department. But that was another fortunate moment because they are, you know, intrinsically, they are tied to their studio heritage. So taking on that role wasn't just taking on the role of developing their education department, it was heading up their artistry and that was working in the studio. So again, every opportunity to head up the fashion shows and do the editorial shoots. And if you got a, a call for a job with a celebrity, you know, I was fortunate enough, whether it was myself or my team, to be the ones to go do it. So they two of the two worlds really did just go hand in hand. I don't know that most people are as fortunate to be able to do both at the same time, but it really crossed over really, really nicely for me. Awesome, awesome. So are you still educating now? I'd like to think so. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I hope so. I think in a in a whole new way because you know, and I'm certainly happy to share my story, but um, you know, over over the years, while I was working as a makeup artist and doing the education piece, you know, there was a shift in my ability as a makeup artist, which led me to where I'm at now and, and an entirely new company and a new way of educating beauty that I couldn't have done, you know, in all of those previous years for, you know, all the best intentions. And hopefully I was a good educator at the time, but I didn't have the view and the lens I have now in my current, in my current space. Awesome. Going from working with these awesome companies, getting the opportunity to work with celebrities, moving to New York and California, all these things. At what point did you decide to start your own line? So, um, you know, it wasn't a I'm going to start my own I, my own line. I mean, in my 20s, I probably thought I'm going to own the world. I'll start my own brand. By the time I was you know, heading up uh, departments for Smashbox, Josie Mayer and those companies, I know I was just really happy. I no longer had my eyes, you know, on, on that, on that prize. But um, about 11 years ago, I was on set and started to notice this little disconnect in my ability as a makeup artist. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but it was noticeable. Like I was doing a model's makeup and a look that normally I should have been able to knock out in like 15, 20 minutes, like 45 minutes later. And I knew it, I could feel it coming. She wasn't mean about it, but I heard the models, what is taking you so long? And I had no idea. And that's stressful because, you know, people are waiting for you on set. And those moments kept happening. I ignored them for a long time, mostly for a few reasons. One is I kept asking doctors what was wrong with me. And they kept saying, you're getting older, honey. That's, that's what happens. You probably don't drink enough water. You probably don't get enough sleep. You probably don't exercise. And I was like, yep, yeah, that, that all sounds about right. So we'll just go with that. You're old and unhealthy, right? <laughs> so um, so that, that kept happening. But then about six years ago, that shift in my ability actually um, had advanced enough that I was having trouble doing my own makeup. And so at that point, I was like, well, something's really wrong. And I was able to ignore it again because people weren't listening, but also because I just stopped doing as much on set work. I really focused almost completely on the education. If you called me to do one model for a shoot for a full day, I'd say yes. But if you called me to do Fashion Week and I know it was going to be like, you know, potentially 25 girls and fast moving, I was like, nope, not going to do that. 
so yeah, so six years ago when that shift sort of advanced enough that I was having trouble with my own makeup, I decided I really needed to get it looked into. And ultimately I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so that was the reason I'm left, predominantly left-handed. I'm a left-handed makeup artist. And that's where my symptoms were showing. And I always say, I remember the day I was sitting in the, in the doctor's office and they came in and they gave my, my diagnosis. And my father, who's a retired physician, was sitting in the room and they left the room and he was like, sweetie, you know, you kind of look like you blanked out there for a minute. Where, where did you go? Are you, are you okay? And I, I am sure my brain went all over the place. But the truth is, one of the first places it went was, how am I going to do my makeup? And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, like you go through it, like you can get your hair blown out once a week. You can, you know, you can get a caftan and a cocktail ring and that's an easy enough, fabulous outfit. Like I'll move to Ponce, but like I'm, I'm planning it all out. Makeup's a daily moment, but it's also, it's also something I've owned. It's been my choice and I can, and, and my creative outlet. It's not just my livelihood, right? Like it's my, yeah, it's my creative voice. It's my community. All my friendships were born there. So I just didn't want to let it go. And I ran home. It's the same reason I sort of probably jumped into being a ventriloquist with like tunnel vision, right? Like I now know I'm not crazy. I now know what's wrong. And if I know what's wrong, maybe I can solve for it. So I initially started to try to solve for it myself. And I started to pull apart, every, like, you know, I'm a makeup artist. I know the mechanics of artistry, right? So I started pulling apart compacts and, and tools and formulas and like reworking them. And at some point I had a prototype. It was, you know, pretty pretty uh, early stage prototype for a mascara. And I remember playing with it and looking at my, my husband and saying, oh, wow, like this is, this is so easy. Like this would be so much easier. Wouldn't it have been great if I had it all those years for all those thousands of people who said makeup isn't easy for me. And then there was like this aha moment, like did, out of clearly not the best news in the world, something kind of beautiful was born. And I always sort of say that is the day that Guide Beauty was born, right? Like now it's bigger than me. Now there's a greater purpose and something I spent my entire life wanting to achieve, making artistry easier. I couldn't quite do it because I only knew what it felt like to be a makeup artist. I didn't know what it felt like to have a disconnect. Now maybe I could do things differently because I could design from that unique lens. And so at that point I couldn't not do it, right? And so three years of development with a design team later, we have Guide Beauty. Awesome. Terry, I think it's phenomenal how you had, you know, something that affected you, but you took that and you created something that could benefit others, not only just help yourself and fulfill your need, but benefit others. And I can imagine your products help not only just people who have Parkinson, but there's a lot of people who just struggle with eyeliner. There's a lot of people who struggle with mascara, right? So it's not just people with that condition. A lot of people just don't have, like, I don't have a steady hand. I had to kind of have to hold my eye a little bit, right? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. It's just awesome how you came up with that. Now, how did you decide to name it Guy Beauty? Yeah, uh, first I gotta say thank you because Randy, you get it, you get me. <laughs> I appreciate it. You were so right. Uh, you know, it's funny because they, you know, they say that inclusive and universal design, very often when you, you will only get to a better design for all when you focus on the need of that somebody has that's a bit greater, right? So it's like a remote control for the television that was only designed for, you know, because somebody couldn't cross room and physically turn on the TV. I got a television tomorrow and it didn't have remote control. I would think it was broken. Like that's just a better design, right? right. So, 
with that said, sorry. Um, so Guide Beauty, the name Guide it was, is twofold. Um, one is that we are creating tools and formulas that literally guide your hand to better application. But because education is my background and my joy and, and, and you know, where I come from, um, you know, we want to be here to help guide you through the process. So, you know, it's one thing to have the tool, but it, it, like makeup in general, whether it's easier or not, if anything new is takes a minute. And we, we all kind of, I think we all are so used to watching videos and, and seeing, you know, people on, on social media and they like do this quick swipe of a line and you're like, and you're like, oh, it's that easy. And then you get it home. And if you don't do it perfectly in two seconds, we all automatically assume there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. Like, you know, either there's something wrong with the tool or it's okay. But just give yourself a minute. And so I wanted to create a community and I feel like the guy, the name guide represents that. Awesome. Now, as you were creating the products, was it because it's so innovative and there's not, you know, I don't think I haven't heard of anything out there on the market that's quite like your product. Did you get any pushback? Was it hard in developing it and all of those things? Oh, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's, I mean, hard, but fun and exciting, right? Like what's worth doing that isn't a, a little bit hard, um, you know, because so much of innovation in the makeup industry is based around formulation and so little is based on tools, the tools we use to apply, very often what companies do is we go, as you know, we go and we find stock, certain types of stock components that exist and you decorate, you may make small tweaks or you decorate them to the way you want to decorate them. When you are custom tooling, the design phase of that is incredibly long, but we weren't just designing something for aesthetics, which we were wanted form and function to meet. So it had to be beautiful and it had to feel like jewelry in the hand. It had to be a joyful experience to put on your makeup, but these forms needed to function to make things easier. So we needed to work with a design team that specializes in human factories, engineering and ergonomics. We had over 200 test users because we needed to make sure it worked across this incredible range of ability and skill set. So when you're doing something on that scale, it definitely takes a moment and then you need custom formulas to match. And so there's, there's like all these tweaks, like our guide wand took over a hundred iterations. I mean, and every, every yeah. little moment. So, but it's, and you're, and you're always growing, like there's always room for better. So it's just a continual process. I think you just have to know that you're heading into that. My hope is the more companies that understand that inclusivity like on a full scale involves everybody at the table, not as an accommodation after the fact, but everybody at the table from the get-go in the design phase, whether it's skin color, whether it's gender, whether it's skill set and ability, when you do that, we're all going to be creating products that uh, sort of organically reach a broader audience. And then those are going to be the components and formulas and tools we use that become the stock components. So we don't all have to take the same path of three years of development and, you know, so, uh, so that, that's, that's the goal. Awesome. So with your, your guide, like you said, like to get the liner right, it took a hundred, you know, tries. So is it a special formula that works with the way the, the tool is created to apply it? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the one and uh, the one itself, a lot of the tools that we use for makeup are um, small cylinders that require us to grip a little, grip our hands. When you grip your hand around a pencil or something like that, it actually locks up the fluidity and motion of your entire arm. So you don't have the same level of control. You're also painting, like you paint a picture, it tends to be a little freehand. So when you watch yourself applying makeup or any anybody really applying makeup, 
very often you watch people try to sort of self-accommodate. We're always looking for places to study and rest our hand for application. So I wanted to free up the hand and I wanted to create points of stability into the tool itself. So the wand comes is a vertical hold, it's a soft hold. It has a soft, flexible applicator that's tilted to with a precision edge. So it's super comfortable, but to meet where your lid and your lashes are, there's a little window for added visibility. There's a resting point that sits against your cheek so that you can rest and steady your hand for application before you even touch your eye, which is amazing because if you're coming with a pencil or a brush, in order to find your footing, you already have to have touched your skin with the product, right? So this way I can do this, tilt and, and apply, or I'm sorry, I'm showing you, but listeners probably can't hear. The formula had to match the tool. So we took a cream and we, it's almost like if you took a, like a Kajal pencil and we created what's called a hot pour. So when we poured it in, it goes in hot and then the formula cools and it creates a firm texture but that firm texture is still really soft and emollient, if that makes sense. And the reason it needed to be firmer than a traditional, maybe cream or gel, is because the tool that you are using to pick up the formula is totally different. It's a soft sort of rubbery, flexible material. And so by creating it and making it a little firmer, it controls how much product picks up so that you don't have to think as hard about how much you're using. You don't have to wipe off as much afterwards, right? You wanna, you don't, you just are trying every step of the way. The goal is to take out as much of uh, the, where mistakes and, and roadblocks happen. So the tool and the formula become much more intuitive to whoever's hand it's in. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. I can see that. I mean, I needed this like years ago when I struggled so hard <laughs> with the wing liner. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of people still struggle with that. So what type of feedback have you received from like your uh, consumers and everything that are, have been using these products? It's been incredible. I mean, you know, we were all so fortunate because we did things a little differently. Our community was sort of built in from the day we launched because we asked the community to be part of the development phase. Um, it turns out, you know, I don't, I don't, I probably should have figured that out, but what a, what a nice way to launch, right? You already have your customer base there and ready. They've already told you that this is what they want and they helped you design it. Um, so it's been like, those are the moments when you get a letter from somebody or a note that says, I never in a million years thought I could do this. Or I used to, I stopped because my ability was no longer there and I gave up and now I can again and it means everything to me. I mean, somebody asked me the other day if I ever cried those letters buckets, <laughs> like happy tears, right? But buckets, like I just, it's been incredibly rewarding. I mean, we launched pretty much like two weeks before COVID 
shut everything down. We happened to be lucky enough to get to New York and meet with the beauty editors before that happened. And so when we launched, we had like the industry was so open and accepting. I mean, I, for this three years of development, I was so sure that this was the right path and that people were going to love it. And then I was on the plane flying to New York with my husband who works with me. And I looked at him and I said, it was like the first moment after three years of what did I make a mistake? What if, you know, all of a sudden you get nervous. And I was like, what if they don't like me? And he looked at me and he said, then we'll go home. We'll have cocktail hour and we'll have a lot of makeup to play with for the rest of our lives. <laughs> just like, I love you. <laughs> so sweet, right? Because he knew I was just having that like kind of panic moment, three years and, and one off day. But then we got there and they got it. And people, and like you said, I, you know, I wasn't sitting in front of people like me who had Parkinson's. I was sitting in front of beauty industry experts who, you know, I always say no makeup artist has ever said, I'll be there in two seconds. I'm just going to throw on this winged eyeliner. Certain techniques are challenging. They picked it up and they got it right away. And they got the universal approach, which is create for those who have a greater need and you'll create a better product and process for the whole. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, there's always going to be some who, you know, change, change is hard. There's always going to be some who it might take a minute to get there, but that's okay, right? You can't, you can't always connect with everybody, but I, I think on the whole, it's been, the response has been beautiful. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I know it may not be for everybody, but as a makeup artist myself, I know a lot of people struggle with those things, even not even having a condition. So I can imagine people, other people who have Parkinson or similar conditions, maybe arthritis, you know, right. issues using their hands, this could be something that could help them to apply their makeup more confidently. And I think it's, you know, phenomenal that you had a saw a need for yourself and you created something for the greater good. And so I I can see it uh, expanding. Now, I know you have the mascara, the eyeliner. Is there like um, plans to do like a whole brush line or things of that nature? You have special powers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, there, yeah, we, um, we're in the guide lab, so we're, we're definitely extending the color range. We just launched our brown shade for our eyeliner. And, you know, I started with the eye area because, you know, as a makeup artist, you know, it's like that tends to be where people tend to have the biggest challenges because those are, you know, those are our techniques that create definition, right? They take, there's precision work, fine motor skills. So we figured we tackle there and we want to wholly complete the eye area and then move on. I mean, ultimately the goal is I'd love to have a full guide beauty face. I would love for somebody be, to be able to come to guide beauty for whatever their needs are in, in, in beauty, whether it's, you know, makeup and skincare, you know, I, I have a, I have a lot of vision, but uh, I guess I can only do one at a time, right. Or, or a few at a time, but we're, we're definitely working on it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can see, you know, it benefiting many people. Like I said, like I talk to people all the time who just struggle with those things. And the eyes is like the hardest because it's like once you get the eyes, you can do everything else. Right. And I think it was was convenient that you started uh, with this right before COVID because we're wearing masks. So at least we could get our eyeliner and everything together. (laughs) Right. It was, yeah, the eyes have it. It was the one feature you could see. So, and also because I, the, you know, people were home, and I, and I think people were looking for for something new to to try, and and so I think it slowed everybody down for a minute. And so, not you know, be better for COVID, obviously not to have happened, but there were there were connections that happened with people that may have not happened otherwise, right? So if you're if you're going to look for any kind of silver lining in that moment, right? 
Yeah, I think diabetes is silver lining all the way around. And I commend you for, you know, creating something like this. Um, and so I, I absolutely think it, it definitely is a silver lining because we didn't know, but hey, it was right, right on time, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. So how have you used your experience as a makeup artist in your cosmetic line now? I mean, you know, it's funny because, you know, back in the day, when you're, you know, when a brand is creating new products, who do they ask? They ask us, they ask the makeup artist. And I still think that voice obviously needs to be heard. So I, I bring that to the table every day because I know, I think, I think being a makeup artist, the strongest asset I can bring to what I'm creating now is an understanding of the mechanics of good artistry and an understanding of the outcome of what we're trying to achieve. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, I want to put on eyeliner, but if you understand that you're trying to create a very tight line to make the, you know, the basis of your lashes look thicker because that's going to make your eyes fuller. Understanding the why behind the technique makes a big difference in how you execute and design for it. And so I think that's probably the, the biggest piece of, of what I'm, um, of, of being an artist and what I can bring to the table. But now I realize that it can't just be the makeup artist's voice designing the product because then we have to design to, to create that technique, understand what we're trying to achieve, and then look at everybody possible, cast the widest net possible to see how they interact with your tools and your formulas. And if there are roadblocks, tweak it, tweak it, tweak it until it becomes intuitive, until it becomes easier. And, and so that's, that's kind of the process. Awesome. And I can see you're still providing education. Like I was on your website and I saw videos and things of that nature. So are you still providing education to your consumers as well? Yeah. And we do, um, we do tutorials, we do Zoom tutorials. I think just education is such a big piece, especially, I mean, you know, I think there's certain things like the mascara and the brow that may be a little bit more intuitive, you know, and, and, you know, they're designed so that, you know, we designed it and maybe you hold it this one way, but somebody else may flip the ring around and hold it another way. And that's okay. But certain techniques like eyeliner, and again, the why behind the technique may, may need a little bit of, of uh, explanation. And so I think the education is crucial. Otherwise you're just leaving people to figure, you know, figure things, you know, when almost, almost nothing that I order that comes with a manual, do I ever read? <laughs> but if somebody offers me some education and wants to get in front of me, then I'm thrilled, right? Then I'll, then I'll take it. So as much as possible, even during this time, we're trying to figure out how to connect and offer that education, even if it's, you know, if it's Zoom, if it's FaceTime, if it's a call, uh, if we can't be face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Now, who would you say your target market is for Guy Beauty? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the truth is we, you know, when we started working with our design team, so I had been working on these prototypes for like six months to a year. And then at that point, I was like, okay, we're going to need some help. So we went to this design team and they specialize, like I mentioned, um, human factors, engineering and ergonomics, but they introduced this approach called inclusive and universal design. And so the inclusive design sort of stems from, you know, I started to realize what was missing in makeup and the tools we're using because of my own experience. But universal design kind of focuses on the output and says, cast, again, cast that widest net possible and invite as many users into the room. So when we had our test users, you came here if you were, if you had Parkinson's, MS, arthritis, if you were a newbie to makeup, if you were a professional makeup artist, if you said, I'm really comfortable with makeup, but I wouldn't mind if it was a little quicker, a little easier. We wanted everybody at the table 
And so when you design with as many people in mind, when you design as inclusively as possible, then the outcome should be a product that reaches the broadest spectrum of people possible. Then it is sort of that is that is sort of the, the goal of universal design. So again, I know you can't hit absolutely everybody, but the goal really is beauty for all. Um, and uh, yeah, and it just again, it comes down to everybody has to be at that table from the beginning. Otherwise, you know, I can't on my own skin swatch a bunch of colors and ensure that I've got the right foundation for all skin tones for the same reason that I can't pick up a tool and say this tool is going to work for everybody's skill set and ability. So that's why everybody needs to be there and needs to be part of that process. Awesome. Awesome. What has been the biggest lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, they say you don't know what you don't know. And I got that. Uh, I don't know that I realized how much of I don't know there was going to be. I think I learned that um, you have to really know the motivator behind, you know, and behind what you're doing, right? What drives you and then make sure that you have a good relationship to that motivator, right? Like just, I want to have a, a company you know, cause it's not always easy, right? But it's easy to continue. You can continue on and be excited and motivated to move on when you know the reason behind what you're doing. And again, you have that healthy relationship with it. So I, I can't turn back because I know that I have something to offer and I wanna be able to help people. Um, and I know, you know, and, I, and that healthy relationship says, I can't do it all today, but I can keep work to working towards better. And so that's what I'm gonna do. Because um, you can very quickly, you know, sort of overwhelm yourself and come crashing down. So I think it's sort of taking it in those phases and, and checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like it's knowing your why. Yes. Yeah. You have to remember why we started in the first place, especially when things get hard because they will. But if you go back and remember why you started in the first place and help you shake that off and get back up. So I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. Because yeah, otherwise... Although, you know, somebody said, do you think you would have done this if you knew? But nobody would do anything if they knew. <laughs> you don't right. want to know. A little bit of blinders is good. You know, I'd like, to, I'd like to say, of course I would. But yeah, but again, you go back to that, what the why behind it, like you just said. And then you're like, no, of course I would. Because this, this means too much to me. I know my why. I like the way you said it way better. <laughs> what advice would you give someone who's looking to do something innovative? Like maybe it's not quite the eyeliner and the mascara and, and the tools like what you create, but maybe they're looking to do something that hasn't been done, but it'll fulfill a need in the beauty industry. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, there is always space. There's always room. You know, I know it's challenging when there isn't a clear roadmap, right? When you're a little bit in that white space. I think one of the things I did is, you know, first I had to be comfortable sort of voicing what I wanted to do, because I think when you hold on to it carefully, right, if it's an idea that's, you know, some could be patented and you want to be careful and, and not to give away your, you know, your, your, your special sauce, right, <laughs> people steal your, steal your ideas, but, you know, if you have a, a community around you, which I did share, because I think you'll be surprised how many people will embrace and be there for you because I have leaned on people like nobody's business. I'm only, you know, an expert in so many areas and I'm diving in and wanting to learn as much as I can in all areas. But I, so I, but I'm reaching out to those people in, in, in my world, in my community, my friends, my family, new friends, new relationships and, and opening up and saying, here's my why. 
and be real open and honest with your why. Because if you want somebody to engage with you on a, on, and do something new and take an adventure that's not the proven path, sometimes they need to connect with you even on that emotional level to understand why they want to join your why, right? Because um, like I said, when we started, this hadn't been done before and not every manufacturer wants to start something new. They're, they're rolling the dice with you. And so I just had to be really open and honest with people and share the passion. And so if you have it, go for it. Cautiously, carefully with legal advice, be open <laughs> and, and, and spread the word so you can get the support you need. Awesome. Awesome. How do you stay motivated? Ooh, cocktail hour. No, no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, martini. Um, you know what? I um, certainly the community motivates me. You know, I am I'm a creative. And so during this time, that gets a little harder because I am definitely fueled by my environment. Um, I, I definitely make sure to incorporate those sort of the those moments in my day where I can express myself creatively. Um, my husband and my family are huge factors in, in my motivation. I also, this year in particular, took a moment to sort of do things something a little different, which was a small change, but sort of was tremendous in my approach and staying motivated, which is every morning I get up and I'm a coffee drinker. So I get my coffee. Originally I was going to do some sort of herbal tea, but that didn't work out for me. So I got my coffee and I go outside and I just sit out on the patio and we live on a lake and I just look out at the lake and I'm like, I'm just going to take a few moments of appreciation. I'm going to say what I'm grateful for in my life. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to give, give myself that moment. And it doesn't mean that I then am sort of, you know, I've got a shield on in my entire day that things don't hit me hard, but it really does change the entire tone of my, and, and the sort of the trajectory of my entire day. And it's been so valuable at keeping me going. And then I, and then I hold on to the good way more than I hold on to the bad, right? Like, cause it's sometimes easy to hold on to that bad. You got to take it, hear it, process, react as needed, but Celebrate those wins and celebrate those good moments too. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Gratitude and focusing on the good, right? Mm-hmm. You got to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for you. <laughs> right, right. And you're my kind of girl, Terry. I, I don't mind a cocktail every now and then, but I, I definitely have to have my coffee in the morning. We <laughs> can hang out. Come have coffee with me. <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, Terry, it has been phenomenal having you on the podcast. Can you share with us, like, what is the message that you want to leave, um, your legacy, and, you know, what impact do you wish to have on the beauty community? Oh, thank you for asking that question. That's such a lovely question. I'd love to think that at the end of, of my days and my time here, that the impact will have been to help shift the narrative and in, in what inclusivity means in the beauty space. And if that has a farther reaching, reaching purpose, then that would be everything to me. Awesome. Awesome. Now tell everybody how they can find you online and connect with Guy Beauty. Yeah. So we have our website, which is guidebeauty.com. Our Instagram is guide beauty cosmetics. So guide G U I D E guide beauty cosmetics. We also, and we'd love for you to join us and come chat with us. Also, we have a customer service, um, which is here for you at guidebeauty.com, which is another great way to reach out because that's where you can also schedule one-on-one Zoom tutorials if you'd like to learn how to use the product. So any one of those are great places to find us. And we really, really do want a community and, we, and everybody's welcome. So we'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, and just even you just want to say hello. <laughs> 
awesome, Terry. Terry, I think you're doing a phenomenal thing with, with your brand and your message. And I commend you for that. I thank you so much for being on the podcast. Everybody check out Guy Beauty, Terry Bryan, everybody. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.